Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer. Patty and I are coming back together with you today to talk more about speed of trust. Thank you for being here, (laughs) co-host. Hi. (laughs) Um, Today, we are, as promised, delving into the second wave of trust and a list of 13 behaviors that are related to that. So if that sounds kind of heavy and like a lot, know that we've got some really great um, notes that we will link in the show notes that are provided by Franklin Covey. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, our dear author's um, company, um, Stephen M. R. Covey, um, they've provided some nice handouts that will kind of help break things down visually for you, even if you don't actually get to read the book and look at it within the text. So um, just listen along and think about how these behaviors relate to you and think whether there are things that can, you can improve with yourself. Um, as we have read and talked about this book, it's been good for introspection, I know, mm-hmm. just on our own to think about um, things that you think and how you behave. And well, it's, and it's, for me, so many things have come up. I think people are sick of me saying, oh, I read about that in the speed of trust. <laughs> <laughs> because just little things that are coming up um, are things that I've read about in the book. And so it's really applicable, I feel like. Yes. Um, it's to, d- both work life and personal life. Exactly. That, that was exactly what I was getting ready to say is it's applicable to all parts of your life. Yeah. So um, let's jump in and maybe start with the second wave of trust. Yeah. To review, the first wave of trust was self-trust, mm-hmm. and now we're moving on to relationship trust. Yeah. And, and the way he writes the book is the first wave on self-trust, remember we talked about the four cores of credibility, right? and they are um, character, uh, which is integrity, the two are of, of character, integrity and intent. Yes. And two are of competence, um, capabilities and results. And A plus, Patty. I know. That was all I like, off the top I'm, of our I'm head. I'm starting to, I could be. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was off the top of my head. Thank you. That was for really good. <laughs> I was watching you with wide eyes thinking, oh, I'm going to have to edit this now. <laughs> um, so. The 13 behaviors grow from those four cores of credibility, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Cool. But um, just so you think that, so you realize that his book does not, it's not just self-trust is this, and then relationship trust is this whole separate thing. They're all intertwined, and they all grow out of each other, so um, it's really nice. That's that's partly why it's kind of important to yeah. grasp the whole thing and not just do one you know, These don't, aren't don't just listen to this yeah. podcast without listening to the others because they are a part of the whole, the whole. So. And, you know, I'm sitting here with the book open to the second wave section, mm-hmm. and he's got a nice graphic in here that I think yeah. is helpful for people to think about it. He's got a drop of water or whatever falling into a pool, and there are ripples. Yeah. And so this particular wave rippling out is relationship trust. Right. But those ripples all just sort of flow into each other and flow yeah. out from that common source. Yeah. Remember, the first is self-trust. So right. that self-trust then goes out to right. relationship trust. And then the next thing we'll talk about in the next podcast is organizational trust and then society, uh, market and societal. So um, so they're all like 
uh, important pieces of this of the trust puzzle. Um, so the second wave of trust, relationship trust, is about behavior. Yeah, it's the principal key for relationship trust is consistent behaviors, and so the um, the way you the idea then is to interact with others in a way in ways that increase trust and avoid interacting with others um, in ways that destroy it. Sounds obvious, right? Mm -hmm. So he gives us these 13 different behaviors, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, but where um, he says that people that are in high trust relationships exhibit and demonstrate these behaviors. But before we get into that, I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time reminding everybody that um, Covey and his father, Stephen Covey and Stephen M. R. Covey, both are big on this whole idea of like accounts. Like Stephen Covey in The Seven Hab Habits of Highly Effective People talks a lot about the emotional bank account. Right. Um, if you've read that, you've heard all about mm -hmm. that. And even if you haven't read that, you've probably heard that because people talk about that. Where you make where you make deposits and withdrawals and they're very quantifiable. Know, they they financial really are. I wonder if they yeah. have any that background in any of accounting or anything like that. But Stephen Co Stephen M R Covey in the Speed of Trust talks about trust accounts. And so when you behave in ways that build trust, you're making deposits. And alternatively, when you're behaving in ways that destroy trust, you're making withdrawals. And so he talks about some key points around that whole idea of deposits and withdrawals and about your accounts. One is that each account you have with others is unique. So my trust account with you, Brandy, is different than my trust account with Kelly. There's mention Kelly. <laughs> we hi, can't Kelly. go on podcast without saying hi to um, Kelly. It's, so it's different. So each trust account is different. The behaviors are consistent. Um, the behaviors that are high trust behaviors that I have with you are the same that I have with Kelly, but the level of trust may be different between those. He so gives, just remember that. Yeah, he gives an example like of um, the trust that you have for your kids at different ages. Right. Yeah. Right. Perfect example. Yeah. So that's one point. The other is um, that all deposits and tr and withdrawals into your trust into your trust accounts are not equal. So in some cases, it might seem like a very small thing, but it might be huge to right. a person. So for an example. Um, a handwritten note of appreciation is a small thing, or an email saying thank you, mm -hmm. is a small thing to the person doing it. It doesn't take much time, it's not a big deal. To the person receive, on this receiving end, it is something that might build trust in a huge way. And so, um, just, just keeping that in mind. Um, also, sort of on the same, in the same, um, along the same idea is, that what is a deposit to one person may not be a, a deposit to another person. When I read this one, I thought about some of the discussions we've had here in UVA Finance about employee acknowledgement yes. and recognition. Yes. And what counts as a great recognition to some people, like, mm -hmm. you know, having, I don't know, putting their picture up on the screen or throwing a reception for them or something. That right. you may think that would be a big deposit, but if right. that person is not into that and is not they don't, maybe they don't want to yeah they don't that way. yeah they don't like that public right. uh, recognition that may be a big withdrawal for right them. exactly yeah perfect example um, so also this is another big thing 
Withdrawals are typically larger than deposits. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, and I love his analogy. Um, some, some withdrawals, and we can probably think of some obvious examples of this, um, are so significant they can wipe out the account with one incident. An example might be, in a personal life, might be a betrayal. Right, like a, yeah. Um, in a marriage or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, in the workplace, it might be embezzlement or... <laughs> <laughs> kind or, of, that's a literal and figurative <laughs> trust with all. <laughs> but, you know, something like that, yeah. that you, you can do one thing. And right, and you've got maybe 20 years of great positive trust deposits. Right. But, you know... They yeah. embezzled. <laughs> right. Whoops. But uh, he has this analogy in the book that he talks about, which is um, trust is like a bucket that gets filled with water, which is trust, one drop at a time. And some withdrawals are like kicking the bucket, not not dying, but kicking yeah. the bucket over. Yeah. Or so, at least like jarring it and a bunch sloshes out. Like, right. Right. Like it, if it gets filled one drop at a time, it seems like it, right. it, there's no way to get one drop at a time yeah. out of the bucket. <laughs> so do realize that withdrawals are yeah. often bigger. So the, his advice is avoid them. <laughs> I love that. He's like, I was like, well, okay, what do you do about that? Avoid them, he says. Um, the fastest way to build trust is to stop making withdrawals. So that's a good. That good almost seems like a no-brainer. But yeah, got it, it does. Um, and then. The, other, the last point I'll make um, before we get into what are these 13 behaviors, um, because I know you're all like sitting on your seats. Yeah, what are they? What are um, they? <laughs> is to recognize that each relationship has two trust accounts, yours and the other person's. I so, like the, when he says here that it would be really great if you could see signal bars yeah. over people's heads, like when yeah. you see cell phone commercials, so that you'd know where their, their own trust account was. Yeah. Because the way that we take other people's behavior is based on what's already in our account. Right. And right. it would be great to know where other people were coming from. Exactly. But, but we don't. But we so, don't. So, um, so, but just to, to remember and keep that in mind. Okay. All right. So, so as we dive in, remember those things, and then we'll come back to just in general, general talking about behaviors at the end. But what are these 13 behaviors? Let's go. Let's leap uh-huh. in. 13 behaviors. I love the first one. Yeah. (laughs) The first behavior is talk straight. Uh What does he mean when he says talk straight? Um, What do you think it means? What does that mean to you? So I think it's helpful to look at all of these by Mm -hmm. what the opposite is. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Which in the show notes... Yeah, that, you'll have. We'll show you the. Uh, he gives a, a definition, an opposite, and a counterfeit. Uh-huh. And um, so the opposite of talking straight is lying or deception. Right. But the counterfeit of it, like the fake version, obviously, yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> is spinning, positioning, posturing, and manipulating. And right. as as a communicator, this one, I'm like, yeah, talk straight, like yeah. no spin, um, not trying to gloss yeah. things over. Yeah. Telling the truth with yeah. integrity. Yeah, that's what. That's exactly what he says. Tell the truth and demonstrate integrity. Um, and that seems like an easy one, talk straight. Yeah. But there are lots of things that keep us from talking straight. And sometimes the things that keep us from talking straight are really good intentions. Yeah. One of my faults, in especially in my younger years, was not talking straight when I had to deliver bad news. Uh-huh. Um, trying to gloss things over yeah. or cast right. it in a rosier light than mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. 
Um, so it's because you think that talking straight is maybe, which maybe will lead us into our next behavior. But um, you think that do- talking straight is being disrespectful. Yeah, I assume that they. I assume they can't handle the truth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting first one. Yes. So I also like how he says, don't leave false impressions. Yes. Um, when he talks about talk, talking straight. And so um, say what you say what you mean. Yes. Don't let the other person wonder what it is you're... Yeah, get to your point quickly. Get the main mm-hmm. idea first. Yeah. Okay. Um, Got it. So that's the first behavior. The second is um, what I just mentioned, demonstrate respect. The waiter rule. That's oh, where I love he, the yeah. waiter rule. Yeah, tell about the waiter rule. So the waiter rule is to um, is to, is is how would a person how does a person treat the waiter? Mm-hmm. So, or a person who they don't stand to gain anything from, really. Right. Right. I mean, a person food, obviously. But, yeah. But that the person isn't in a position of power over them, or they don't have anything to prove to that person. And so, how do how does a person treat the waiter? Yeah, you can see a lot from, um, you can tell a lot about a person by how they treat the waiter. And that's how they treat the waiter, the waiter or any frontline staff. Yeah, yeah, people who, like you said, who aren't in a position to really do anything for you. I always think about that whole thing about you can tell a lot about a guy by how he treats his mother. Oh, no. <laughs> I always think about that when I think about the waiter <laughs> rule. But um, <laughs> not that the mother is a waiter, but it just makes me always think about that. That's very true, though. We could go into a tangent on that, but yeah. Um, um, anyway, you so, can probably tell a lot about a, a person. Yeah, how they treat their because family you family and stuff. You have basic respect and concern for yeah. people, mm-hmm. and um, you, as he points out, you show that you genuinely care. You show kindness in the little things. Yeah, and the basic things. Yeah. So he says in demonstrating re- respect, apply that waiter rule to yourself. Yeah. Um, to think about how you treat other people. Um, and think about things that you can do to show others that you care about them. Because they, again, we don't have our trust accounts displayed over our head or you know, our t- intentions are not always clear. But there are really easy ways to show people around you that you care about them yeah. and not take them for granted. Yeah. And that's different for every rela- relationship you're in. Maybe it's, you know, doing unloading the dishwasher so your husband doesn't have to or maybe it's just telling your colleague hey really thanks for your help I know that you're always great to help out in a pinch but I just wanted to tell you I really do appreciate it every time you do yeah um it's funny because he you had mentioned the the opposite and the counter fit right and for demonstrate respect um the opposite obviously is to be disrespectful but the counterfeit is faking respect or concern and he Throughout a lot of these, he talks about how the counterfeit is almost worse than the opposite. Yeah. Because um, in faking respect, the person, you're, you're not being true. It's a worse true. withdrawal because it's like a double withdrawal. Right. Not only are you not doing the behavior, you know, you're doing a counterfeit, you're lying about right. not so doing the behavior. Right, so you're breaking the first yeah. behaviors <laughs> Um, it's almost so, better to just not do it. <laughs> right. It's almost better to, well, to not be disrespectful, but yeah. it's almost better to be truthful and than to, to pretend that you right. care when you don't. I think that's a generally accepted truism. Yeah. So. All right. All right so number three, kind of on the same lines, he talks about the behavior of creating transpa- transparency. Mm-hmm. So we so, have talked a little about hidden agendas and stuff, so this is, yeah. we're coming around to it again. So... 
Um, he says, ask yourself, am I withholding information that should be shared? And why? And why, yeah. Because sometimes there isn't a reason, right? Sometimes it's just some of that thing that, I think people sometimes just think, oh, I know something you don't. And it's a little bit of a power grab, maybe, yeah. to sit on top of your little pile of knowledge yeah. <laughs> and keep people yeah. from it. So, I mean, I think the, the, the key word there is, am I withholding the information that should be shared? Right. I mean, obviously, it's sometimes, um, if you have integrity, it is important to withhold information at times that Absolutely. you need to yeah. confidences and things like that. But it's information that should be shared. Why are you holding it? Well, and, and so, if you think about, like, if you're a leader of a team mm-hmm. or just working with colleagues, you may know something about a project and why the choices are being made that are yeah. being made. And it's not a secret, and you choose not to share that because, eh, it's something we don't need to get into. But they may be wondering, oh, well, why are we doing this way? Yeah. This way, and It's causing frustration because their work tasks are impacted by the thing that you're not clarifying for them. Yeah. So. so the opposite is then to hide or cover up, but the counterfeit is having hidden agendas or ulterior motives. Um, so. I always picture, like, those spy guys when we start talking about this stuff. Dun, dun, dun. Secret agent man. Okay. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> behavior four. Behavior right, right wrongs. Right wrongs. So, make wrongs right. <laughs> oh, good. I was confused. <laughs> Not correct wrongs, but, but um, the next time you make a mistake, pay attention to how you feel about that. Um, are you, do you try to ignore or justify or cover it up? Yep. Um, or do, do you admit it and do what you can to, for, to make restitution for that mistake? Yes. So, and that's a hard one. If you're not in the habit of doing that, if you tend to descend into excuse making, mm-hmm. um, it can be hard to do the first two or three times where you just decide, I'm going to apologize, do the right thing, and work toward fixing it and not try to justify the, the mistake. But it's so freeing after you do it yeah and it is it's a big trust builder then when you say nope I didn't do that did it wrong failed to do it I will fix it for you now Mm -hmm. and we've talked before we now that we've talked about this with Sarah Doran who recorded a great session with us on Mm -hmm. vulnerability Um, she told a story about a a time where she failed professionally and that the way that she owned it mm-hmm. was then used used as an example for lots of students and people for how you handle these kinds yeah. of things. This is the right way. Right. And she, Huge trust builder. It tr- completely. I mean, we keep talking about it. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she probably gets the second most number of mentions in her <laughs> Kelly and um, Sarah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. And imagine if she had handled it a different way. Imagine it if she had tried to cover it up or blame somebody else right. for it. Then the next time, she she's not going to have that trust. Right. It's hard so, to come back from stuff like that. Yeah. So he says to right wrongs, apologize, and make restitution. Do the right thing. Um, and another thing he talks about in that righting wrongs um, behavior is, uh, when he talks about that, is be quick to forgive. Yes. So... Not only admitting your own mistakes, but when others admit mistakes to you, be quick to forgive them. It's not like you haven't made mistakes yourself. Yeah. So, 
Behavior five. Show loyalty. Show loyalty. This is an interesting one because you mm-hmm. may be thinking, okay, yeah, I'm a loyal person. And I get, but what he says, the definition of loyalty is, is giving credit to others and being loyal to the absent. And that's one that I think about a lot when I am having conversations with people. If I'm saying something about somebody, um, I think, would I say this about them if they were present? Yeah. Right. And so often the answer is no, you wouldn't be saying that when they're present. So he says when you're in conversations, if people start talking badly about somebody, um, consider what your options are. You could be, you could say nothing. Mm -hmm. You could um, walk away. (laughs) Or you could say, I'm not comfortable talking about that person when they're not here. Or I know a person who's in this room and isn't me, who who stuck up for some colleagues. um, And it was not like a, a person. It was just one person being dissatisfied with another department mm-hmm. and was making some, some comments about that group in a public forum and you jumped in and said, hey, you know, I know they'd be happy to solve your problems and they've been working really hard and let me know if I can help you understand that better. Yeah. So that's a really great way to handle it too. And I think it's it did work out. It did. Yeah. Yep. So I, I hope it did. <laughs> um, I love this one quote where he talks about showing loyalty. So that's one aspect of it is the um, being loyal to those who are absent. But um, the other is the giving credit where it's due. And I love this quote that he has by from Robert Townsend, who was the former CEO of Avis. He says, it's been my experience that people who gain trust, loyalty, excitement, and energy fast are the ones who pass on the credit to the people who have really done the work. A leader doesn't need credit. He's getting more credit than he deserves anyway. <laughs> I love that. I do like that too. So, but give going out of your way to give credit freely and generously yes. is definitely a wonderful way to build trust and show that you are a loyal person. That's right. So all these first five things that we talked about: talk straight, demonstrate respect, create transparency, right wrongs, show loyalty are all really deeply rooted in character. Right. Those are the first five, and they flow out of character. Um, the first, the two, the the cores of credibility around character again are integrity and intent. And now, as we shift to the next five of our thirteen, the focus is a little bit more on competence. Competence. Yeah. So let's start with behavior number six: deliver results. Yeah. So he talks about with delivering results, the behavior there is to make sure you thoroughly understand expectations. Um, Know what results means to the person to whom you're delivering. Yes, good good point. Because um, again, a lot of these have um, an element of clarity in them, like the need to have clarity in the relationship. Yeah. Like with what would be recognition for somebody not being recognition for another, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, There's a lot of just opportunity for a lack of trust in a relationship because we misunderstand one another. But anyway, so knowing what results really are, and I like, I think you can learn a lot about this particular behavior by reading what he says about its counterfeit. The counterfeit of delivering results is delivering activities instead of results. (laughs) (laughs) I have done so much this week. (laughs) 
none of it, sh- you can't show anything for it, but, but that kind of thing, right? Like, I've, I've, uh, I've organized all my files and pushed all the papers and whatever, yeah. but do, yeah. is it really doing anything for your goals right. or for what you're supposed yeah. to be doing? I, I like that too. Yeah. Um, another thing he talks about with good delivering results is that when you are thinking about this behavior in particular, when you're making commitments, make sure they're realistic so that mm-hmm. you don't fail to deliver results. Yeah, don't set yourself <laughs> so, up for failure. Right, right. Good so one. I like yeah. that too. Um, the next behavior is, how he puts it, is get better. I like this one. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about, well, I mean, some at least, about failure and the right way to fail and what uh-huh. you get from failure. Yeah. And this one is a good one for that. Yeah. So... I like this one too because I'm a trainer. That's yes. my job. Yes. And so in getting better, the whole idea is to learn and improve. Learn um, and improve. Yeah. Because the 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 counterfeit to this one is continually learning but never producing. <laughs> it's sort of like activities <laughs> and not results. I know. I've gone to seventy five <laughs> classes. But I'm still just sitting here. I don't know. <laughs> so um and then the, the, so that's the counterfeit is to continually learn but never produce. But the opposite is to become irrelevant. That's harsh. He says, yeah, rest on your laurels. Yeah. Like I was the best at, I was employee of the, the year in 2012 and I'm going to coast now. <laughs> or I, you know, I handled this particular project yeah. or system or process and we don't do that anymore, but, you know. Yeah, I was um, the champion of it, so yeah. yay me. Yeah. So don't make yourself irrelevant. Don't. <laughs> You'll become, <laughs> ir- ir- the quickest way out of uh, work is to become irrelevant. Okay, so behavior eight here in my notes, this one has lots of markings next to it because this is such a huge one and he just drops it so casually. <laughs> Number eight, confront reality. <laughs> Yeah. Must I? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we don't want to. But, um, oh. And it's but, lots of work, right? That's a huge one. Yeah. But when you start thinking about um, when one of our first podcasts that we ever did was about crucial conversations uh-huh. yeah. and really unpacking why you're responding to people the way that you do yeah. and what are the, the background things to mm-hmm. all this mess yeah. of relationship stuff. Yeah. And this is all part of that big, big confronting reality thing. <laughs> yeah. So he says when you feel reluctant to confront reality, and by confronting re- reality he means address the tough stuff, yep. meet issues head on, that kind of thing. He says the next time you feel reluctant to confront reality, explore your feelings. Why are you hesitant? Consider the consequences of not confronting reality. Try to reframe your attitude toward others involved. Be honest with yourself. That's yeah. it. The relationship to yourself is so pivotal to yeah. all success in mm-hmm. any area, and this trust account is no different. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the counterfeit of that is to focus on side issues, anything but the real problem. <laughs> yeah. I always think about the elephant in the room here. Yeah. You know, address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, so, so that's uh, confronting reality. That's yeah. 
That is behavior number eight. Yeah, it's time to face reality. Okay, <laughs> behavior number nine. Is clarify expectations. So this kind of goes back to some of the other things we're talking yep, about. We have Just talked be about this. upfront with communication with others. Um, talk about your expectations, talk about your understanding of conversations, um, what are the next steps, are you both clear on expectations, what can each person do to be more clear, those kinds of things. I know that here, just in our own little culture, there's it's kind of become the, the way at the end of meetings, I hear a lot of that transactional thing where people go, okay, so you're gonna do this and yeah. I'm gonna do that and we're gonna get back together by this date and have X deliverable by five days later. Yeah, I'm always very thankful for those little wrap-ups yep. and meetings. Clarifying um, the expectations yeah. is invaluable. Yeah. Um, the, on, the, on the person who's giving them too, don't assume that it's clear right. to the other person. Yep. So check for that. I think that that example that you gave is a perfect example of doing that in mm -hmm. a real, real life setting. Number 10? Number 10. The last of our sheerly competence-based behaviors? Yeah, is um, practice accountability. The patty, it was the other person's fault. <laughs> so you take responsibility for your results. And you um, address the tough stuff, meet issues head on. Yeah. So the counterfeit of this behavior is pointing fingers and blaming other people. Yep. And <laughs> the, the opposite is saying, um, it's not my fault. I didn't, I mean, or I had to, to respond that way, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. I'm really having a hard time right now with that with my two um, school-age daughters. You are? Yeah. Oh. She pushed me. Well, she pushed you because you grabbed something from her. Well, yeah. <laughs> I grabbed it from her because it's mine. <laughs> there is no, there's no accountability right. in that relationship. Right. It's hard. It, it's I, hard. I think it's a hard, yeah. hard one for little kids. It's a hard one for little kids, but I think it's sometimes hard for us too when we work oh, in large definitely. organizations on yeah. big teams definitely and when something falls through the cracks it's easy to say well i i would have done it but so and so didn't blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah so he says in real in real ways tangible ways to practice accountability that when things go wrong you find yourself kind of in inwardly or in your thoughts blaming or accusing other people just stop and try to find ways that you can hold yourself personally accountable. Yep. Um, and then also extend that accountability to your, sorry, I can't say the word, accountability to your direct reports and your team members. Yep. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in an article I just wrote was uh, um, allowing others to make mistakes and learn from them. So that could be another whole podcast in and of itself. We've talked a little bit about that already and in other podcasts, but. Um, just in practicing accountability. Let other people be accountable. Yep. So don't punish them for mistakes. Yeah. So. Um, and don't try to save them from things, too. Yeah. It can, I mean, you can guide and stuff, right. but you can't fix everything. Yeah, and be too. a role model. Yeah. Okay. Well. So moving into, like, the character and competence, mm -hmm. uh, both behaviors that really belong to both of those. Yeah. 
So we've got three left. number 11 is listen first. That's another huge one. Yeah, listen. Because <laughs> even when we think we're listening, mostly we're just waiting for them to shut up so we can say the next thing. <laughs> yes. There was a, and people have probably heard this before, but I, I first heard this at, I went to a session, um, a class at the Center for Creative Leadership yeah. in Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, one of the guys that was in my class, he said that we, in the class we each had a coach. And so one of the guys in the class who talked constantly, um, he came back and he said his coach told him about an acronym, which is WAIT, W-A-I-T. And W-A-I-T stands for Why Am I Talking? <laughs> so if you, if you can just... If the answer is to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> so if you can just remember that, just the, the way that... If, if even you just sit back and think, what does that acronym stand for? By the time you've <laughs> thought about that, you maybe aren't doing a really good job of listening, but at yeah. least you're not talking. So <laughs> I'm going to snort really loud. That's funny. So, um, but. And the other part of that, I like, you know, listen before you speak and don't make assumptions. I like right. that part of it too, because yeah. that's that internal part yeah. that doesn't even have to do with the sound of your own voice. Yeah. But not, but not only listen for what's being said, but also if you're listen for tone of voice, listen for mm-hmm. and watch for nonverbals and things like that too. Yes. Um, and if, if you're face to face with the person. And thinking about like when you're in a conversation, am I really listening? Do I really understand how this person feels? And really trying to dig a little deeper when you're in conversation with uh-huh. people, and yeah. not just stopping with, "Well, this ticks me off." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and also, uh, one that's important, I think, to professional life, that part of listening first is taking proactive steps to understand your stakeholders, both yeah. internal and external, and consider what you can do to ensure that that you're listening to them and making an effort to meet their needs. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah. I like how he says the counterfeit of this is listening only to formulate your reply. <laughs> so Yes, I um, hear what you're saying, but... Here's right, right. Or even that you're not really listening. Yeah. You're just trying to think of what you're going to be saying next. Yeah. And so you're not really paying attention to what the person's saying at all. So um, so listen first. That's behavior 11. Behavior 12, keep commitments. Yeah, we talked so, about this one a lot, too. Yeah. So and this goes back to, um, to some of the other things we talked about with clarifying oh. expectations. And, and over-promising. Right. Yeah. Um, so... When you want to build trust, you you need to make sure that you're keeping the a commitment to any to you're keeping any commitment you make, because the quickest way to ruin that trust or make that huge withdrawal is to miss a deadline or not not follow through on something that you said that you would do. Right. And so. Um, or to break confidences. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that the counterfeit to this is over-promising and under-delivering. And we have all worked with or around people who will tell you all the wonderful things that they'll do, and yeah. it all sounds great, but it never happens. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a big trust withdrawal, right? right. Nothing's more disappointing to, than to be let down in that way. Yeah, so it's better to than under-promise and over-deliver. Right. Always. Um, make sure you can keep commitments. Right. So and, don't overcommit in right. the first and, place. And we understand, everybody understands that things happen. Like if you have yeah. to miss a deadline, um, as soon as you know that you're right. 
that that's, it's looking likely. Negotiate expectations as soon as you can because, yeah. I mean, if it's if you are looking at your week and you're supposed to have a deliverable on Friday and it's already Wednesday and you haven't even begun and there's no way you can get there, don't right. wait until Friday morning to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Let them right. know. Right. You're not going to destroy trust by letting somebody know that. Now, if it happens repeatedly or all the time, you certainly will over time. Right. But for an incident like that, you're not going to. Right. So, um, and then finally, the last behavior, the 13th behavior is extend trust. Extend trust. So here he says, um, think about a relationship where you feel that someone doesn't trust you and ask yourself, could this person's lack of trust in me at least in part be a reflection of my own lack of trust in him or her? They're reflecting back what you're giving them. So start behaving. He says to start behaving in ways that extend trust. Um, so. Yeah, if you never would give people trust just because there's risk, um, yeah. when there's no evidence that they're not worthy of it, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I just wrote um, an article that I shared in our in our community on um, art of dele- on the art of delegation. Yes, it and really delegating great. is a way of extending trust. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I trust so, you to do this. Right. Yeah. And so think of ways that you can extend trust. And the false counterfeit to that uh, is extending false trust, like giving people nominally the authority or the responsibility, but not giving them the authority or resources. Yeah. How horrible and frustrating. Yeah. Definitely a trust withdrawal. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he even talks about trust, extending trust to people is, is one of the greatest human motivators. And so I think that's important to remember. So there we have it. Those are the 13 behaviors. Um, and there's a couple of things I just wanted to mention that um, about the 13 behaviors. Remember that they, ex- they come from, they flow from the cores of credibility. We've talked about that. Um, and in the, the show notes um, the, that you're going to link, it kind of it lists them as the right. ones that are related to character and competence. So I don't really need to go over that. But, um, but one of the things that I think is important to remember is that um, behavior matters, number one. Um, what you do has a far greater impact than anything you say. And so these 13 behaviors, start working on them. Because behavior um, can be changed. Right. You can change behavior. Absolutely. You can, you can learn to change behavior. Um, also, the 13 behaviors um, work together. Um, so you don't want to ignore one to work on another. I'm not going to worry about, like, telling the truth for now because... Yes. Well, well, and then, right. So, so don't ignore others to work right. on um, others. But then also, they create balance. So a good example that he gives is talk straight needs to be balanced with demonstrate respect. Absolutely. And so they kind of work together like that. Um, pay attention to the behaviors you need to work on the most. Um, and... You know, you might want to read about that or actually read the book and read some of the things about that if there are behaviors that you feel are areas that you need to um, work on the most. And then remember the quickest way to decrease trust is to violate a behavior of character, one of those first five. 
Yeah, because character is really close to the root. It mm-hmm. shows who you really are. Right. Yeah. And the quickest way to build trust is to demonstrate a behavior of competence. It's easy. Yeah. It's out there. People can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, just remember to keep that in mind. Um, also, keep in mind is to that it's possible to, to take any of the behaviors to an extreme. So you don't want to do that because anything to the extreme becomes a weakness. Yeah, so like just keep it. Yeah, he talks about a sweet spot, like yeah. too not too little, not too much. Yeah. Um, and then I think the thing that I would want to close on, and maybe you have some ideas too, um, is that every he says in the closing of this whole section that every interaction with another person is what he says is a moment of trust. Um, and we talked about the, the different waves of trust and mm-hmm. the ripple effect, but even in that moment of trust, there's a ripple effect. And so if you behave in ways that build trust with one person, you're building trust with many. Yes, that's the wonderful thing about, well, the wonderful and scary thing about any of the things that we choose to do or say is that there's a ripple effect. Yeah. Whether it's a trust building or positive behavior or a trust decreasing or negative behavior. Right. People see it. Mm-hmm. Your and boss extends, and people, if your boss extends trust to you, you're more likely to become the kind of boss that extends trust to your right. direct reports. Right. Well, this has been a really good yeah. conversation, and right. I feel like we could get into the nitty gritty of a lot of different things with this, but for now, that's, I feel like, a good way to close out. Is this our third? Yeah, it's our third mm-hmm. Speed of Trust pod. The next time we get together and talk about Speed of Trust, we'll be focusing on Wave 3. Which is organizational trust. Organizational trust and alignment. So let's um, plan on getting together soon and talking yeah. about that. And we'll do um, Wave 4 and Wave 5 afterward. And... Um, I've really enjoyed Speed of Trust with yeah. you so far, Patty. Yeah, thanks for trust. Too. Thanks for being a trustworthy co-host. <laughs> and thank you all for joining us for Finance Matters. You can check out more about what we're up to on the blog, ubafinance.blogspot.com. And as always, if you've got a good idea for a book we should talk about, a concept that needs addressing, or somebody cool who we need to talk to, let us know. You can email myself or Patty, or you can tweet us at uva underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.